Welcome in film fans, this is the SDFP, the second day film podcast, back at it, thanks for listening to us on this Thursday, the 22nd of March. I'm your host Evan Dean, joined as always by Brandon Champion. Champ, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey Dean, I'm doing good, I'm feeling good, I'm ready to be back, I miss you guys. I know, missed you guys too. Missed you, popcorn correspondent Sam Morse. What's what's going on with you, man? Hey, staying alive after all these buzzer beaters, and we're back at it. Let's do it. Hey, we should say that is why we missed a week. We were so caught up watching the madness of March, the basketball tournament, and uh, sadly for Champ and I, Michigan State fans, uh, our uh, our run with the team ends now. They they lost in the second round. The tournament's over now, right? Dean? Yeah, I mean it might as well be uh, zone effect. And of course, uh, Sam's team, <laughs> Syracuse, as it, as, as chance would have it, ending state's run. Uh, so anyway, that's why we took a week off. Obviously, still watching the games, but we want to get back at it and bring you another review and another podcast. This is our fourth, guys. So I mean. Each time we have another one, I think that just solidifies our place as a podcast. We've already reviewed three movies. We've reviewed Black Panther, Annihilation, and Game Night. And if you missed them, don't worry. You can still give them a listen, champ. A whole lot of ways to check those out. Yeah, I think probably the one of the easiest ways to find it right now is just to uh, go to uh, our Facebook page at Second Day Film. Um, we've got our posts up there on Facebook. You can also check out our website at secondayfilm.com. They're all up there by clicking on the link. You can go to SoundCloud and search us by uh, Second Day Film Podcast up there. Um, and also we're on Twitter at Second Day Film. That's all written out. And you can email us, secondayfilm at gmail.com. So a whole lot of ways to uh, get at us, guys. And we're still trying to see if we're cool enough to make it on iTunes, right? Yeah, we're, we're working on that, actually. I actually submitted uh, today to uh, try and get our podcast up there on iTunes so that maybe if you like that route, it might be an easier way to get it. Uh, it's uh, currently under review. So uh, <laughs> if anyone knows anyone at iTunes, feel free to give us a good word. Absolutely. All right, we're going to jump right in, guys. We are ready to rock and roll. On today's episode, we've got three segments, as always. Who's watching what? We feature this segment in our first ever podcast. We're bringing it back. We're going to break down what we're watching in the world of TV and film. We've also got popcorn problems. So when we introduced this segment, we talked about the best way to prepare your bucket of popcorn. Today we're talking about arrival etiquette when the best time to show up at the theater is, how much time before the movie actually starts. Got some differing opinions on that. And then our featured review on this podcast, it is the action-packed reboot, Tomb Raider. You guys ready to dive in? Let's do it. Feeling good, Sprout. All right, first up, we've got Who's Watching What? Uh, this one's pretty self-explanatory. We're all big film fans, so... You know, obviously we have our featured review, but we're constantly watching other movies, other TV shows. So Sam, I'm going to toss it to you right out the gate here. What have you been watching lately and how you feeling about it? Um, actually, Dean, what I've been watching is actually a TV series, a short series. It's a uh, scripted true crime series based on the murder investigation of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls called Unsolved, the murders of Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G., Big controversy, obviously, you know, Biggie Smalls dying at age 25, Tupac dying at age 24. A lot of people would say there's a conspiracy theory kind of wrapped in there. Did the uh, Los Angeles Police Department do enough, or did they do too little? Um, who's covering up what? 
you know. So there's like a lot of that, you know, that crime-based little bit of anxiety there. Like, what's right, what's wrong? Yeah, you guys are all about those true crime reboots, aren't you? Uh, I mean, they just come out at the perfect time of year. I don't know. Like, they've all just ran into each other. That's what I've been watching. It's only about three or four episodes in. Um, it's very good. Definitely recommend it. It's on USA. I did mention, wanted to mention, though, another movie I did see. I know it came across on like some of our Facebook interactions, like a lot of in our comments that some people wanted uh, us to maybe do a little bit of review on. Um, that was called Darren Brown's The Push. It's on Netflix. It's about an hour long, um, hour and eight minutes. And it investigates the power of compliance by persuading a member of the public into believing that they have pushed someone to their death. So, like, that's just a little backstory of what this movie huh. movie is. Or, like, you know, it's kind of like a documentary feel. Um, Darren Brown kind of is, like, behind the scenes, but he hires all these actors to kind of, like, get put in a scenario. But only one person has no idea what's going on. So you can understand how misleading this is to someone who, you know, is telling you to do this, telling you to do that. Who do you trust? What do you believe? Do you stand beside your own, you know, inner compass? Mm. Or do you follow the persuasion of... A group of people to get you to commit something i don't want to ruin it it's on netflix okay. it really blew my mind at the end so the people that did comment on there and said like it was one of those like that little i um iphone emoji with the head just absolutely exploding give me 10 of those in a row because it literally was like what would you do the push on netflix all right how about you champ what have you been watching lately uh, so I've been watching a lot of things, but a uh, movie I want to highlight was a, is a 2016 biopic called LBJ. Uh, I'm a big fan of biopics. I like sort of delving back and looking at an individual uh, in history and sort of examining that person and sort of what they were all about. Uh, so I'm going to guess it's either LeBron James or Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> Sadly, this is not a biopic about uh, LeBron James. This movie is about Lyndon B. Johnson, who was obviously a president of the United States. Oh, this cool. movie is directed by Rob Reiner, um, and it stars uh, Woody Harrelson in the title role of Lyndon B. Johnson. Jennifer Jason Lee, Bill Pullman, Richard Jenkins, and Michael Stahl David are in supporting roles here. This movie is carried by Woody Harrelson, who is one of my personal favorite actors. It just seems like whatever he is in. He sort of brings a sort of uh, chutzpah to it. It's, he, he sort of makes it his own. Uh, he gives a great performance as Lyndon Baines Johnson. Um, but what's great about this movie is that it really spotlights how LBJ was thrust into the spotlight after John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, he's He was the, the vice president, so obviously, he uh, through chain of command, he became yeah. president. This story takes place as sort of on the fringes of a well-documented event you've seen in history of, you know, JFK getting assassinated. Obviously, that's a huge moment in U.S. history, so it's something we've kind of seen. But it's from Lyndon, or LBJ's perspective. So it's sort of like uh, on the fringes of the story that we know. It would kind of be like uh, if JFK was the starting quarterback, um, we're getting the perspective of the backup on the sidelines. You know? okay. He's sort of close to the action, but he's not the action. So it's sort of a an interesting perspective. Uh, it does. The film does a great job contrasting how LBJ was different than JFK. You know, JFK obviously had this golden boy persona. While LBJ was more of this gruff, blunt, uh, rugged Southerner um, that the country really wasn't used to at that time. Harrelson does a great job, like sort of portraying his confident mannerisms, like drinking whiskey and using nasal spray in public and like eating off other people's plates. And uh, he's, he, there's a scene where he's reading and discussing policy while he's literally taking a shit with the door open. Um, but it, at the same time, it does a good job showing him in sort of his private times where he was actually really insecure about replacing someone like JFK. 
Um, there's a lot of focus on his sort of antagonistic relationship with Bobby Kennedy, um, even after uh, JFK's death. It does a good job capturing this tumultuous time period with civil rights, Vietnam, all this. Some of the things that I think, it, I think it's hard for a biopic to either capture, um, you know, a sweeping subject like this that goes on for a lot of years, or it's hard for it to be super focused in a unique way. And I'm not sure this film knows which one it's trying to do. It tries to do a little bit of both, where it's capturing his whole life, but also sort of going under the microscope of LBJ, and it kind of goes back and forth. Right. So it gets a little bit confused at times, because I'm not sure what it wants to do. It prevents LBJ in a positive light. Obviously, he's a controversial figure, um, but it focuses on his reform that he made domestically, which honestly is with civil mm -hmm. rights and uh, state parks. This is all stuff that he's been applauded for. But it sort of ignores his controversial actions of increasing the U.S.'s involvement in Vietnam, which is something that LBJ is sort of criticized for. Um, so it's a decent biopic about an interesting president that was thrust into a ridiculous situation. It's worth watching it for nothing else to, to just see Woody Harrelson do his thing. I ended up giving yeah. it a 6 out of 10. So. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about JFK, the kind of the clean-cut, pretty boy, all-American, and then you talk about Lyndon B. Johnson, the gruff character, and Woody Harrelson is gruff. Like, that's all of his roles are kind of the more rough-around-the-edges characters. Right. And so I haven't seen it, but I'd imagine he'd be really interesting in that. Uh, so what I've been watching... A Netflix original documentary called Flint Town. Mm. So this Very. was a documentary shot over a two-year period in Flint, Michigan. Uh, the tagline of the series is called Living in a State of Emergency. A bit dramatic, but really that's what the people of Flint have been living in over the past few years. Uh, the series was shot from 2015 to 2017. Uh, not only is Flint statistically one of the most violent, crime-ridden places uh, per capita in America, they're also, the residents there also are dealing with the Flint water crisis. Um, so there's so much happening. There's also a lot happening and a lot of turnover within the leadership in the city, the police chief, the mayor. There's a lot of shakeup. And uh, all sorts of people interviewed in this. They've got news reporters, uh, you've got Flint residents, but this series specifically focuses on and follows around the Flint Police Department. That's what it's based on. And yeah. this department for a city of, I think, about 100,000 people, there's, I think, less than 100 Flint police officers. And it showcases their struggle to serve and protect this city. Um, there's such an understaffed, undermanned department. And, you know, there are some scenes in this, in this documentary where they can't even keep up with calls. They're dozens and dozens of calls behind trying to respond and uh what's so good about this series what i really liked about it is the access is incredible um the filmmakers were literally embedded with this police department they're riding along uh on active crime scenes you see them in the vehicle in the patrol cars with the flint officers as they get a call to a shooting and you actually get to go on scene and they show people who are actually killed in in real crime situations, right. shootings, so on and so forth. And I don't know how the filmmakers convinced the department to go along with this, but it's such an up-close, real look. And this is also uh, captured during a time when um, there's huge distrust between minority communities and police departments. This was a time when, I'm sure you will rem remember, 
there were several killings of officers, police officers, large groups, Dallas, Texas, all these things are happening. And it's so interesting to see the community and the, city, the, the city's officers at odds. And obviously there's more interest for us because we're all from Michigan. Right, yeah, I was going to say, obviously here, you know, we all live in Michigan. And obviously Flint, the Flint water crisis is something that's still ongoing, which is yeah. what I think makes this documentary as important. When the Flint water crisis really started to become big with the news, I felt like a lot of the national media, CNN, Fox, you know, they, they swooped in and sort of picked up the story for a little bit, but then they sort of left town. Yeah. And, you know, Evan, you and me both being in the news business, obviously we're well aware that the Flint water crisis isn't over. It's still going on, and I think that it's important that we keep something like that in the limelight. And I'll, I'll have to check out this documentary. I haven't seen it yet, so yeah. I, I think oh, I need to good. fast track that one to the top. Well, yeah. it's interesting you say that, too, because in the documentary it also covers the time when Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders came for a debate to Flint, and President Trump, now President Trump, came during his campaign. So there's so much that's happened in Flint over the past couple right. of years. And just the the honest truth of the people and the subjects in this, I, I mean... I think that's what draws a lot of interest, too, especially from yeah. people from Michigan. I know a lot of my friends have talked about watching. I've seen the posts on Twitter, the hashtag, you know, solve the crisis, all that. Just, like, the realness of it, the you know, the real life. Like, these are lives at stake. It's just, yeah. not, a, it's just not a documentary. This is, like, a lifestyle that these people are living. And, you know, it's, it's really trying to pull, like, a lot of celebrities have obviously used their power and resources donating bottles of water on, mm -hmm. you know, by the truckload. We would like to see more of what we can do, but definitely a powerful documentary. Dean, I've definitely seen a few episodes, and I'm still in the so you middle like it. of it. Oh, I love yeah, it. It's yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. All right, anything else that you guys have been watching that you want to mention? Not one that I haven't watched yet, just because it comes out tomorrow, but one I've been anticipating greatly is called Game Over Man with the cast of Workaholics. I find these guys absolutely hilarious. I don't know if anyone else out there does, but um, for them to get a movie, I'm just so excited to see what they really throw at us. I mean, if you've ever watched the show of Workaholics, these guys just, they started out making little jokes with themselves, finally got the chance to put it on the screen, <laughs> yeah, and they just had a funny. huge little, like, I mean, look at Adam Devine now. He obviously is the front runner of uh, the three guys there. You got Anders Holm and um, Blake Anderson are the other two. Uh, we saw Black Panther, right? So now I'm going back and I'm watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe in order. I've heard two different theories on the order in which you should watch the films. Champ, you recommended just watching them in the order they were released. So that's what I've done. And guess what? I'm two in. <laughs> I'm not far yet, but I, I've seen Iron Man, which I loved. Loved Iron Man. And I've also seen The Incredible Hulk. Didn't like that quite as much. But uh, maybe a bit ambitious, but my goal is to get to all of them by the time Infinity War is released. Well, Evan, you could always just go to AMC Theaters, which is apparently hosting a 31-hour <laughs> Marvel Cinematic Universe marathon. So if you just want to, like, you know, hide from the sun and <laughs> I know, eat right? popcorn for four straight days, you could do that. Now, if anyone wants to go ahead and do the same thing you're doing, Dean, is there an actual list that someone can go and gather of the correct order? Yeah, if you go to Wikipedia is where I've referenced, there's three okay. phases, phase one, two, and three. And uh, obviously, I'm just in phase one, but uh, I think there's either 17 or 18. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole Wikipedia page that literally says, list of Marvel Cinematic Universe films. That's the best way to do it. So we'll see how many I can get to before Infinity War comes out. Uh, but uh, yeah, obviously something I'm excited to check out as well. All right, so a quick recap of what we're watching right now. Sam is watching Unsolved, a true crime series, and also The Push, a Netflix uh, series. Champ? 
the film LBJ, based on the life of former President Lyndon B. Johnson. He gave that a 6 out of 10. And then I am watching the Netflix documentary Flint Town and also trying to frantically catch up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, next up, we've got popcorn problems. So in this segment, we talk about some of the movie-related issues you might have, whether it's, I don't know, renting, streaming, going to the movies. Last time we talked about the best way to make a bucket of popcorn. So humbly gave my advice on how to make a delicious bucket of corn. Go to our Facebook page. You might have to scroll down a little bit, but there's a Facebook Live video. I showed how to do it. Check that out. But today we're talking about arrival etiquette uh, at the theater. So I'm just going to give the backstory. I'm a busy guy. You know, I work, I don't know, 50 hours a week. Um, you know, and uh, I've got a lot of responsibilities. So when we go to the film on Tuesday nights, we always set a time. And uh, whenever we go, I tend to be the last one to stroll in. Sometimes I'm getting there right before previews. Sometimes I'm getting there just before the actual movie. But anyway, this has led to some criticism from my comrades who say... Everybody should get to the movies beforehand, buddy up, do high fives, hug each other, whatever, and uh, and go in earlier. So before I give my take, I guess, Champ, you've obviously been frustrated with me showing up right before the film, and I've never shown up after the lights darken. Yeah, no, just okay. like right before, you know, the last title card comes on the screen. But so this is my thing. Obviously, we're all busy here. We all have jobs, and Sam, you go to school as well, so we, we're all busy here. We have lives. We do this podcast for fun and sort of on the side, um, but obviously we have to see movies if we're going to do the podcast. I have always been under the uh, impression that going to the theater is a sort of outing. It's a sort of uh, experience in an event, in a thing you do with your friends or a date or anyone. Uh, obviously, we go every week, um, so you know it's a little bit different than if you're a casual moviegoer. Um, but to me, the ideal time to show up to a movie theater is about 25 minutes before. That allows you to come in, uh, get your snacks, uh, you know, get head into the to the theater <laughs> before the, the movie starts, um, you know, before the previews start. I think you should take your seat. That way you don't disturb anyone when you come in. Um, you know, in our case, it's a little bit different because usually we all live separately. We're showing up together. So we have to meet at the theater. It's different than if, say, you were going on a date yeah. and you were usually coming in together. So obviously we have to meet. I think it's kosher or proper etiquette to meet up before in the lobby and then all walk in the theater together. Arms interlocked, holding hands. It doesn't need to be that far, but <laughs> I just think that, you know, if it can be helped, it's not exactly the most chill thing to do to just roll into the theater spilling popcorn everywhere and plopping down right before the thing starts. Well, we do know why Dean's popcorn actually is three quarters full. He actually says in the video yeah. it's from the popcorn problems of making the best popcorn but we all know now it's from sprinting down yeah. the the hallway to find Theater 4 to sneak into seat C7 and recline and kick it back. And Evan, I realize that we all have lives here. We're all busy. We're usually, uh, you know, you're meeting up with us after. And I realize life happens, but you've made a habit out of it. You roll into the theater right before the movie starts at least three or four times in a row. Okay, what do you think, Sam? Um... Well, personally, I I don't agree necessarily with the full 25 minutes before the movie. I wouldn't say that you have to be there. I do agree, though, but getting there 
at a decent time to where you're not rushing to get your seat. Um, coming from a few people I do know, Champ included, um, and myself, I like to go and kind of check the, the previews out. I know it's not a big, like, it's not a big thing for most people to go like, oh, they're just the previews. We can we can skate by and get in there at eight ten. Movie starts at eight fifteen. Yeah. But I really enjoy watching the previews. So kind of like that's an interruptance as well to me. Sure. Um, if you're on your cell phone talking on the phone, coming in, you know, yelling at your boyfriend, I don't know what they do. I kind of <laughs> really enjoy getting to know the previews because obviously, like you said, for the podcast, we got to know what movies are coming out. We got to know what people are gonna find attractive in the movie realm. To, I me, to me, the previews are part of the overall Exactly. I would agree with that. So, I would agree with that. So here's my disputing <laughs> opinion. So, okay. In theory, what you guys said, I agree. If you're on a date, if you're going to the movie with a group of friends, if you're meeting a big group of people there, maybe you go to the movies, I don't know, half a dozen times a year, maybe even, you know, ten times a year, maybe once a month. I get that. Show up early, go with your friends, enjoy it. We go literally every week. So if I go, if I even catch the previews once in an entire month, I've probably seen all that I'm going to see the rest of that month. Because we see the same dang previews every time. And moreover, notice that the lights don't go entirely dark until that first title screen of the feature film that is designed for people to make their way in and the screen gets bigger too when the feature film exactly evan i hear you there i i agree with you to a certain extent when you're talking about this podcast when you're talking about the second day film club yeah i think we need to open it up more to speaking in general i think that it's more we need to talk in general terms what theater etiquette would be. Yeah. When, back, you know, in high school, when going to the movies is one of the only things we could do. Day and night. Yeah, you would all meet Cadillac, up with your friends. <laughs> yeah, you would the good meet, rich five. You would meet up with your Cadillac friends. four. Oh, sorry. You would meet up with your <laughs> friends. And even now here in Grand Rapids, every week we go to the theater, there's groups of all ages who are sort of conversing in the lobby. They're checking out the ads. Mm. They're playing in the arcade. They're before and after the movie. To me, that's just part of the experience of going to the movie. And I get it if you're running late, something happens. But if it can be helped, I don't think you should be rolling in last minute. Yeah. If anything... If you're, I would rather, you brought this up one time when this happened, when uh, a group had come in uh, at, together as the movie was already started, and you're like, are they breaking film etiquette? And I said, well, yes, they are, but at least they're coming in together. <laughs> at least they're coming in late together. It's not just, you know, the person leaving the group that they're meeting, uh, you know, out to dry almost. You're not even there yet. It's just, a, to me, it's just a common courtesy thing. So, well, I just want to leave this at a disclaimer here, that obviously this Popcorn Problems was geared around a specific someone, but... Oh, it's a good but, question, But though. let it go. Let I think, again. This, I think it is, this is something that people no, ask, like, when should you show up? Exactly, but that's exactly what I wanted to get here with that, is saying that we need to know what you think yeah. out there, the listeners. We need to know what they think, what their etiquette is, um, what they feel is the appropriate time. Do they watch the previews? Or are they that last minute getter, getter goer? And I, I, so I guess I'll 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 uh, compromise about halfway. I agree generally that when you're going to the theater, if you're going with a group of people, especially if you're going with a group of people, if you're by yourself, I think it's a little bit different. But if you're if you're going with a group of people, you should arrive beforehand and go in and watch the you know the trailers. And I'm just saying, given our circumstances. That explains why I 
have maybe the etiquette that I do. I agree, but I think we can all agree that when a movie started, nobody likes the person who's coming into the theater, crawling over seats, you know, down in front, lady. Nobody likes that person. Fair. So don't be that person. Or on your phone. Yep. So that's a whole other popcorn problem we could probably dive into on another. Coming day. from the popcorn correspondent, that move, Dean, is not approved. <laughs> All right. But. Like I said, we want to hear from you about how you get to the movie. Do you think it's okay to roll in last minute? Is it about just getting there for the title sequence? Or should you be there before, like I think so? Should you be there uh, and hang out with your friends? You know, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, anyway, reach out to us. We want to know. All right, guys. Lastly, today's featured review, Tomb Raider. What's your name? Laura. Sunny. Directed by Roar Utag, uh, featuring Dominic West, Walton Goggins, and Daniel Wu, but the star of the film, of course, Alicia Vikander. She plays the main character, Lara Croft. Uh, Vikander actually has become quite popular. She won an Oscar for her role in The Danish Girl. She also starred in Ex Machina. And before we even dive into the reviews here, uh, we gotta say, of course, Tomb Raider was actually originally a video game. That's how it started. Then it was made into a film series in the early 2000s starring Angelina Jolie, and now this reboot. So um, I guess that's kind of where you have to, to start is, did you guys play the games? Did you see the old movies? I have literally no prior experience with Tomb Raider before this, so that's me. Yeah, I think it's important to sort of discuss the context that we're watching this movie. Uh, I played the games a little bit. I, I would say I was a casual gamer. What I remember more is watching my dad actually play these Tomb Raider games. <laughs> he always enjoyed these sort of, uh, you know, Tomb Raider is sort of a puzzle game. It's, yeah. a, it's a thinking game. You have to work your way through these tombs and avoid these traps. So I remember watching my dad play Tomb Raider. He was a huge fan. Um, so uh, that was my experience with the games. But I remember sort of just getting cap uh, enthralled in this sort of world. And I also remember how cool it was that it was a female uh you know this is when these games came out i think it was early mid 90s you know late 2006 yeah. i think was the first so i mean you know i thought it was so cool that we had this female badass chick who was like in these tombs and jungles taking on poachers and uh surviving these traps and taking on wild animals so yes i remember watching my dad play um and i did watch the Lee films as well um, two so, of them, right? Yes, there was Very two. Very poorly reviewed and they weren't received. Hugely well received, but I do think Angelina Jolie was received pretty well yeah. as the title character. What about mm -hmm. you, Sam? Did you? Um, yeah, I played the video games, but it was more of like uh, get your buddies over for the weekend after school on Friday, have your mom stop at family video. Oh, we remember those days. Rent the game on a Friday night, 
but you had to beat it by Sunday because mom was dropping it off no matter what come Monday morning. So to avoid all those late fees. That's why the Netflix red envelope is just so wonderful. No, You're the true. only person in America or in the world that uses it. And they are constantly waiting for you to give up the Netflix send a movie. I really haven't seen anybody else use it other than Champ. Exactly. But hey, did you see the movies? Have you seen the Angelina Jolie movies? Yep. Did yep. you like them? Um, after playing the video game, pl watching the movies, um, to me, honestly, you kind of got that the movie kind of was just like the video game. Yeah. You felt like you were watching the video game, but you didn't have to do it. See, you say that, but we might as well dive into it now here. You say that about the old Angelina Jolie movies. I feel like that was part of what was missing in the Jolie movies. It didn't feel like the video game as much as I wanted it to. Hmm. Um, that is one thing that I think this movie does a decent job with, uh, uh, the Tomb Raider that we just watched. I think mm -hmm. that it has a lot of those things um, you know, that are that we know from the video games. There's a lot of fan service stuff into it. You know, I'll get into specifics and spoilers. Yeah. Um, but I do think that is one thing that this reboot right. did better than the Joe Lee movies was sort of have that. that spirit of the video game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's just jump right in. First up, it'll be our spoiler-free review. I'm actually just going to start with the IMDb plot description, as we do with all. Alara Croft, the fiercely independent daughter of a missing adventurer, must push herself beyond her limits when she finds herself on the island where her father disappeared. Champ, go ahead and expand on that a little bit. Tell us what's happening in this movie. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's like the Jolie uh, movies. They're sort of uh, this great... Uh, you know, adventure that sort of Lara Croft's father has sort of left her that she kind of has to piece together and figure out. Um, this movie actually starts a little bit differently than that one. It sort of has a different tone. It sort of feels more modern day. Um, it doesn't really feel like a Tomb Raider movie to start, um, but it, it sort of goes in that direction eventually. <laughs> the, the fact that there is no more expanding on the need of the plot is actually one of my issues with it. I'll dive into that in just a second, but I want to start with what I liked. I thought the movie at times was very stylish. I thought at one point you see there's this old rusty airplane that's stranded on the top of a waterfall. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it looks really cool. And mm -hmm. the action sequence that plays out uh, with Lara Croft, it's really cool. Uh, also, parts of the, the tomb, which I actually thought they were going to have more time in the tomb. It's only about the last, uh, I would say, half hour or so. That's something that was really cool, stylish at times. I really, really liked that. Um, but I do want to jump into kind of what I didn't like without getting too much into the spoilers. So obviously, guys, this is based on a video game. It is an mm -hmm. action movie. But I feel like here there was so much action that it it took away from other things that are important in a movie. Character development. Where's There's almost none. Uh, the plot in general. It's the most simple plot you could imagine. And I feel like at one point they're just manufacturing action scenes. So there's really cool scenes like I talked about, but there's also a scene where three young guys, I think it's in China or Japan, steal a backpack. And then all of a sudden it like goes into action mode like you know, like like the music just starts pumping up and the the shots are really fast and edited and it's like it's just her running from three guys with a backpack. I think, I, but I really think that part of that, though, might be that the filmmakers are really trying to to sort of pay homage to 
video games. Like, yeah. what happens in video games? You, I mean, they've obviously developed and changed now in newer days, but back in the day when Tomb Raider came out, it was sort of a level concept, right? It's a level yeah. by level. You have to conquer this challenge, and you have to conquer this challenge, then you have to conquer this challenge. And then you finally I, get the face off against the boss. Yeah, and I feel like it. maybe that's a little bit of where they're trying to draw inspiration, where it's like, okay, now you go through this, and now you go through this. Oh, yeah. You know, it is yeah. an action movie. No, and I, and I know that. Mm-hmm. I know it's an action movie. I'll be a little more specific with my criticism when we get to spoilers but i think what what i'm learning here is you had a background of tomb raider you played the game you watched the movies i'm going in a blank slate had never played the True. game or seen the movies and i'm just viewing this as man they're really uh not wasting any time jumping from one action sequence to the other with some of the same shots uh, you guys how many times did you see lara croft dangling from some generic cliff Okay. Uh, there's literally like a half dozen scenes where she is literally dangling. It's like, the same thing. Again, Evan, if you would have played Tomb Raider, you would know that's about how you spend half of the game of Tomb Raider. <laughs> well, and I get that. Cliff. I get that. But I feel like you have that's to find true. a way to appeal right. to more than just the people who played the video game. Like you're trying to, I mean, I know a lot of people play the game, but you need to appeal to people who didn't. And I feel like it was, not only was it a ton of action and action overload to some degree, that it was very similar. Some of the sequences of her dangling on some random cliff. I just thought that, you know, it could have been more unique in how some of these action sequences played out. So what about you, Sam? Did you like it? I mean, did you think it was a good movie? I did enjoy it. Um, one of my favorite things about it, I would say, um, I wouldn't maybe not favorite, but what I really liked about it was like how it showed the separation from her and her father. Like, how she was so distraught after. I mean, he was gone for, what, seven years of her life, even more, mm-hmm. in and out. And it kind of showed that. And it really showed that, you know, she never lost hope that he was still out there. You know, people are telling her day in and day out, your father's gone. He's never coming back. Give up. You know, blah, 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 blah. We'll get more in the, in the spoilers yeah. or whatever. Um, but it just kind of showed, like, her mentality at that point. That she's she's a fighter. She's got grit. She's not going to be told No. Um, and I think that really carried over to getting to the island and, you know, what Laura Croft is, you know, yeah. well, yeah, the, the first scene of the movie we see here is she's, she's, uh, kickboxing or, or fighting a girl and we find out that she has this huge inheritance, which people will know from the trailer and the video games that she, you know, the Crofts are this rich family. Famous. What we find out is that she's working as like a de- delivery girl mm-hmm. because she's independent. She won't accept this money. Uh, and I think the, that is what they try and make the core relationship of the movie is between yeah. her and her father. And that is kind of what they try and make carry the film. Um, one thing that I liked a lot about this movie in terms of non-spoilers is Alicia Vikander looks the part. Uh, this girl, um, if you've seen her in movies, like you mentioned, the Danish girl, uh, the light between, uh, oceans was another movie she was in where she plays sort of this damsel in distress, girly girl. Uh, she's five five, one hundred and seventeen pounds. I read somewhere she put on twelve pounds of pure muscle mm-hmm. uh, wow. for this role, and I think that she really sells that she could be Lara Croft. When I first heard this, that was one of the the positives of the Jolie films was Angelina Jolie sold that to me that she was Lara Croft. When I first heard Alicia Vikander was going to be Lara Croft, I was like, what? That seems like mm-hmm. a weird casting. But she worked her butt off yeah. to get... She has like a 12-pack in this yeah. she's, she's ripped. Like, she is ripped, and she is not a ripped girl. Like, she bolts for this. It's a right. complete transformation. And that's so important to have her actually be convincing that she could be this person. Well, she, or at least uh, become this person. She did all of her own stunts, too. Right. And so I want to yeah. throw that out there. That's another big thing that you don't hear of all the yeah. time. Um, but then again, for the role, she did it all. She 
pretty much laid it out 100% that she was going to be Laura Croft. Oh, yeah, she fit the part. Uh, and obviously, I can tell I'm going to be kind of the more critical one in this. But I do want to know, before we get into spoilers, anything generally that you didn't like? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty I didn't like about this movie. I think I'll... I'll fight back a little bit that you might be the one uh, uh, <laughs> pointing arrows at this movie because you won't be alone, trust me. But um, one of the main issues, I think, and, it, and this is sort of just with a lot of movies like this, um, is the overriding quest is is hard to nail. Uh, you know, the, the whole plot is, it, you know, whenever you have these sort of uh, adventure, action-adventure movies, there has to be this sort of you know, uh, plot. And this one just feels so sloppy and sort of all the, it's like a conglomeration of all these mythologies and it sort of leads to some lazy storytelling. You get the voiceover that starts the movie. I think it's really hard to sort of nail the, and the ancient quest way back in the, in 54 AD and and they buried it away. Like, it's just so hard to nail that, you know, movies like Indiana Jones and the last crusade or Raiders of the Lost Ark do a great job of sort of embedding the, the concept in there and then slowly revealing it the whole overriding story is just kind of corny so let me ask you this then for people who were fans like you guys played the video game or were aware of it or watched the the old films which were not well received do you feel like they missed the boat on a chance to maybe make it more than just an action movie where there could have been more built into it because we all thought the action was cool but it just for me got repetitive and and you're saying, you know, hey, that's what the video game is. It's tons of action, as you would expect. Well, could they have, you know, you know, tried to make it better? Well, what it could have showed it. You always could yeah. say, oh, it could be better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just don't know if that's what the, the filmmakers were going for in this. They just wanted a badass action hero with a badass chick. Right. My they take, did do that. My take is uh, how you're talking about the whole video game aspect of it. It was too video gamey for me. Um, I mean, it was like, I get that, that it's a video game. We want to relate it to it. Um, but it was just like, every kind of thing, every time I was watching it, it just like, there was just way too much of, like, yeah. like I could see myself playing the game and I don't know. I just, yeah, was, that's fair. And like I said, I think you need to appeal to more than just people who played the game, but, um, you guys ready to go to spoilers? Cause there's a lot we want to dive into. Yeah, sure. Here. We, we can't really fully talk about it until Let's we go pick to this thing apart. <laughs> All right, so Champ, now that we're in spoilers, um, and if you haven't clicked out, click out, jump to the end. Uh, We'll give you a few seconds to do that, and then you can pick back up at the very end of this. Um, It's important to note that what we essentially have here is a Tomb Raider origin story. This is sort of a Laura Croft who hasn't yet become the Tomb Raider. Yeah, uh, she, you know, the, the Jolie movies, she's already is the Tomb Raider. She already is a badass. In this movie, she hasn't yet become that person. She has some skills, some fighting skills. Like I said, she has the first scene. From uh, the in, MMA. Right. In <laughs> flash- she has some skills. We'll get into that. In flashbacks, we see uh, that she, you know, does some archery, and yeah. that comes into play later in the movie. So she has these sort of raw skills, but she hasn't become the action hero that we know from the video games. So this sort of takes place before the Lara Croft we would know. So I feel like that's important to note. Um, you know, when we if we want to talk about when she gets to the island, I think there are some cool action sequences. I liked the one when, um, you know, when she goes in the river, and she's sort of going through the river, and like you said, she catches the airplane, and she's in the... You know, mm-hmm. the plane, and it falls, and then she jumps out in a parachute. I think <laughs> With holes in it, because it's right. been there for 17 yeah. decades. I, I think there are some good action set pieces. You know, oh, the there very, are. The very end, when she's running through the tomb, and it's crumbling all around her. You know, I think this is some entertaining stuff, and I was, I was into it. 
Yeah, yeah, I was too. I mean, look, I, I thought it was it was entertaining. I thought that some of the action sequences were good. Like I said, I thought I also thought though some were just manufactured, like her biking in the very beginning of the film, trying to evade these people as part of a game, and then these kids stealing her backpack and like you're manufacturing action sequences when what people want to see is like you mentioned later in the movie. So I just want to mention this. This is one of my things I had to mention. So the, the tagline or the, the plot description says she's pushed beyond her limits. I'm thinking what limits? So we see her get her butt kicked in that boxing match and we see her do a little bit of archery. Apparently though, after that point in the boxing match, she is death proof. She survives their boat being shipwrecked on the island. Not just shipwrecked, but the boat was obliterated. She manages to cling to a stranded airplane at the top of a waterfall. While in said airplane, she somehow has the wherewithal to grab a parachute before the plane collapses and then somehow deploys it without it on her back and still hangs on. She manages to kill several villains who are equipped with automatic rifles, yet only having a bow and arrow, and she's not shot once. She kills a large man with her bare hands. Lastly, and there were more, lastly, she literally long jumps like 50 feet while trying to escape the tomb. And I, at one point in the movie, I'm just like laughing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, she's not a superhero. She, what physical <laughs> training has prepared her for I, this? I do agree that she becomes a hero a little bit too quick. Oh my god! But And I do think that character development is a big issue with this movie. You know, you have Lara Croft, is, who is the main character. Her character development, like, we get a little bit emotionally with the connection with her and her father. Um, but, like, the main bad guy in this is just, like, thrust into the movie with about an hour left. And no he's backstory, just, like, nothing. He's just bad for no reason. We have no <laughs> idea. He's just like, like why a, did he want the tomb? He's just, like, a mean guy. Yeah. The, her, uh, the, the, um, the Asian guy who she meets up with on the boat, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Lou Ren. Lou Ren. Yeah. He serves no purpose except for a way to get her to the island. Well, Once yeah. he gets to the island, he hits a couple guys with his rifle <laughs> to allow her to escape. And then at the end, there's all this stuff where he's rallying the you know, the people who are, we gotta go back and save her. They do nothing! He moves a couple <laughs> rocks at the end so she can get out. Which I want, I hated that point too when you said has to run through the whole little, the tomb of fallen rocks. She just so happens he moves a rock and her head's just right there. So, uh, Lord Richard Croft is apparently the key to getting into this tomb. When they get up there and they're going against the, you know, generic bad guy, he's threatening to kill him. He's the key, and why wouldn't he just... He's not going to kill him. What if he killed him? He has, then they're all screwed. What's the <laughs> point? Huge plot holes here. This is just... It, it goes <laughs> off the... Like, well, leading up to this, like I said, I like some of the fan servicey stuff. I like, you know, that she when she rides down the rapids and grabs a ledge. That's something straight from the video game. I like when she does these long, almost superhuman jumps and grabs the ledge. Mm -hmm. That's something that you do all the time. You know, sp spikes coming through the floor, spikes swinging down through the ceiling. Um. You know... It the very last scene we see is her finally getting her dual guns, which is something that everyone knows about Laura Croft. I like these sort of conscious efforts to appease fans of video games. But like you guys, you say, Evan, specifically, if you're not a fan of the video games, this stuff does nothing for you. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. But what was insane, and you pointed this out, Champ, is it's so treacherous and, and so challenging for them to make it in to, to find this body. They go through, but like, then, movie traps. But then... She just gets out easily. 
and, and, and into paths that she shouldn't have been able to do. There was a, a floor that fell out from under her on the way there. I, you know, They're just, just blatant, blatant. Like, I know. And I, if we're all over the place here, I apologize, because the movie at times did seem a little That's what the movie the was. Place. It was all over the place. Well, yeah. then I wanted to tie in, too, with what we were saying earlier about how she had this large inheritance to get to sign the papers, um, since this is the spoiler. Um, like Champ said, this is an origin story. Yeah. So obviously there's going to be a number a number two. Croft Holdings, they actually own a company that's a facade for Trinity, apparently. Yeah, it's like so I, I guess let me really quickly run this back, because I know we're, we're getting a little bit combob discombobulated. Her dad dies, all the bad guys die, they've closed down the tomb without any of the disease spreading, Laura makes it back, and it's set up for a sequel. That's really what happens. And it's really not that complicated of a plot, but there's just some holes here and there. Hey, but at least she's not wearing short shorts the whole time. That never seemed very practical to me when she would do that in the video games. <laughs> there you go. Oh, all right, guys. Anything else we want to talk about with this? I got a few more like plot holes, but I, but I just... I think I'm. I think I've said all I need to say. Let's just get into our final. Uh, yeah. I say here. go see it. You tell us what your plot holes are. So I'm gonna start, guys. At the end of the day, look, it's an action film. It's an action adventure, and I think, on many accounts, it succeeds in in doing that. An action film is supposed to make you entertain, keep you entertained. I was entertained. I thought at times it was comical, almost how the action played out and what she was able to survive. But, despite its flaws, again, there was a lot of action. It was entertaining on many levels. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Uh, I'm going to be a little higher than that. It does a great job with the fan service to people who are Tomb Raider fans. Yeah. I think that people who watch this movie who love Lara Croft as a character are going to see a lot of things that are uh, appealing to them. You know, the last shot when she holds up the dual guns, I think people are going to be like, Yes! That's awesome! Yeah. Um, I think Alicia Vikander is a good Lara Croft. I think she does a good job portraying the emotion of the character. I think she nails it physically. So I think that is important. I think that there's some cool action set pieces in here. Um, yes, the overall story is pretty stupid. There's a lot of mistakes <laughs> in the plot that yeah. go through it. Um, but I think it's an entertaining action movie, and I think it's one that does justice to the character. Not to the fullest extent that it could be done, but I do think that it is good enough to be entertaining as a movie based on a video game and we got to remember there have been some disastrous video game movies like warcraft assassin's creed you know there's been a lot of bad video game movies i think this one actually isn't that bad mm -hmm. so i'm gonna be a little higher than you dean i give it a six out of ten well and we'll definitely find out on those bad movie theater um movies coming out with rampage starring Dwayne the rock johnson oh, yeah. but um I agree with Champ. A six is, I would be in the middle of these guys, but I know we round up. I would be a 5.5. I'm going six. Um, just because I did play the video games, I do have the backstory of it. Um, I did like the ending twist there that it's going to be an origin story. There's going to be more. Alicia Vikander's not that hard to look at either. Um, <laughs> that definitely did it for me as well. But at, there was at times where I just wanted to take a nap. But then there was times where I wanted <laughs> That's to like, not good. well, like, it, there's just times where I really wanted to like get in the movie and kind of yeah. see what I could do too, or play the video game. So yes. I'd give it a six. So that means Tomb Raider collective rating of a five point seven out of ten from the SDFC. So here's what I'm going to say, and I don't know if you guys can agree. If you've seen the other movies, if you played the video games, go see it. If you haven't, I think you can pass. You can run it, yeah. Alright, so that's our show on this Thursday, the 22nd of March. 
Before we let you go, we want to uh, let you know there are a ton of ways you can connect with us. Uh, Champ, you want to run those down? We actually want people to vote on movies so they can kind of help pick what we see. Yeah, yeah. We tried that a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, Facebook will not let us put more than two movies in a poll yeah. in a, on a fan page, which seems kind of ridiculous, Zuckerberg. What's up with that? Um, but So we tried something out where we just manually put four choices. We'll probably keep doing that. We got some good engagement on that. Um, so yeah, we want to know, we want you guys to tell us what movies you want us to review. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to be doing that on our Facebook page at Second Day Film Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Second Day Film. That's all written out. We're on SoundCloud at Second Day Film. You can email us at secondayfilm at gmail.com. And our website is www.secondayfilm.com. And like I said, we're in the process of getting on iTunes, so we'll let you know when that happens. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. We love that you uh, are enjoying this podcast. We love bringing it to you, so keep on listening and keep on uh, sharing it. Uh, keep on telling your friends all about it. We want to grow this as big as we can. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the moment.